Hey, this is Hannah. And this is Barbie. Hannah's mom. And we, we saved, saved you a spot. spot. All right, mom says I'm supposed to do this intro because apparently I'm not welcoming enough. Um, Hi, we're so happy that you're here and listening to us this week. We saved you a spot. Hi, Mark. Here's your 30 seconds. Um, Yeah, and so we've been on vacation this past week, and we haven't gotten to talk about, like, a lot of the things that we talked about on our last podcast. For instance, The Sound of Freedom. Both of us went and saw it, correct? It was fantastic. Also, I want to clarify one thing real quickly. The Hi, Mark was... Mark Hay listens to the first 30 seconds, so we wanted to make sure that we singled him out. Yeah, on this. he got his little shout out. Yeah, so shout out for Mark Hay. Okay, oh, he's done listening, on. Mom. We're 43 seconds in. Oh, well, he might have, since he heard the Mark party, might have stayed with us for a second. Maybe. Um, yeah, I went to Sound of Freedom. Dad went to Sound of Freedom. Let's uh, talk about that a little bit today. Do you know Mario was offended that I didn't invite him? Well, he didn't invite you either. That's what I said. I said, how would I know that you wanted to go? And I said, also, I went at 2 p.m. on a week, weekday. I said, you couldn't have gone. No, no, no. He and works. my point for not asking anyone is because yeah. I didn't want to have to wait for anyone to go see it. No, I do a lot of stuff alone because I don't want to have to wait and wonder and figure out who's buying the tickets and where they want to sit. It's oh, yeah. See, I went to um, a different movie theater where you can't even pick your seat. Also, real quick side note. Did yes. you notice that I melted my phone case on accident? What the heck? So I was cooking. For my husband, because, you know, I'm a good domesticated woman. Sure. Woman. And um, apparently I had what they call pregnancy brain for a second. I don't even believe in that. I know. I don't either. But I set my phone on the burner. And then I was like, what's that smell? What? Yeah, I do see that. Is your phone okay? Yeah, my phone's... Look, oh, look at this. This is why you should have phone protectors, kids. Because your phone case phone is wasn't really melting. No. Affected in the slightest. You're lucky. But no, please don't be one of those pregnant women that talk about pregnancy brain. I was pregnant four times and I never use that. No, mom, I was joking. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Don't be all sensitive. I sound like one of those old women. You do. That have n- no heart and we're just like, okay, you young things. Oh my gosh. I saw somebody comment on the stream one day uh-huh. that... <laughs> This is before anyone knew I was pregnant on the stream. Yeah. They were talking about epidurals and she's like, epidurals weren't even available for me when I had kids. So I don't think that these girls should get to have one either. And I was like, ew, what? Oh my gosh. I had an, they called it a saddle block back then. I had one with you. Okay. Let me tell you, it was great. But Natalie had one and she had a pump and she could hit it whenever she wanted a little more power to the... Yeah. Protection and it was fantastic. But um anyway, back to Sound of Freedom. I'm so sorry. That no, was a quick little because we're not even gonna start out. I I don't oh, want to. Did you not want to start with, with Sound of Freedom? No, we're not gonna start with Sound of Freedom because okay. we're gonna talk about um a couple things. Okay. What are the couple things? The fact that you're doing a gender reveal on air next Friday. <sighs> that's what I want to talk about. Well, I don't know that we'll do it on Friday. It might be the following Monday. Okay. But I, we, Casey and I are finding out next Friday. Yeah, well, and you guys can because you're like the parents and stuff. But I found out, dad called me at work when you got into college. And he's like, hey, how come you didn't tell me that Hannah got into college? And I'm like, what? Well, not I got into college, but got into the college I wanted to the get into. The college you wanted to. Yeah, you were got into several colleges, but you wanted into UNF. And you put it on Facebook. You didn't call mom or dad. Well, I was or- at school. You got into college. I know, but I couldn't. You weren't supposed to be on your phone. Unlike the lax rules they have for kids now, we weren't allowed to be on our phones. And so I was in the bathroom (laughs) and I posted it really quick. And I was like, yeah, they'll see it this way. Actually, I I don't have any recollection of this. So anyway, I do (laughs) not want to find out on the Mark K show that you're having a boy or a girl. I want a phone call before it goes on air. Please. Well, Casey and I will call. Okay. 
I mean, I don't even I mean, care you, if it's a family text, but I just don't want to find out on the radio. Do you want me to call you for, first before I tell the family? No. I, I like to stir the pot. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> do, do what you need to do. Just don't let me find out on air. Okay. Sounds good. Because uh, dad and I are going to be flyboarding in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Why you find out what flavor baby have. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen it? The jetpacks. Um, you put these little jetpacks on your back and they take you out like with a jet ski and oh, like it, the jetpack thing. Yeah, and yeah, it, and it ha- and it pushes this air and it's water like a hydra thing. Yeah, I'll know more about it. But we tried to do it last time. Remember, we tried to do it when we went to the Keys together, mm-hmm. and they ha- one of the jetpacks was broken, and it wasn't as like widely done. Well, I still think there's some insurance things because I was having trouble finding any down in the Keys, but they have some in Miami and some at Fort Lauderdale. So I'm working on making an um, appointment to do it next. Okay, that'll be really cool. Yeah, I think I it'll be cool. I had something to tell you and I cannot remember. It like, it was when we were talking just now. Did you have pregnancy? Brian? Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I just can't. Oh, oh, I remember. What? If, I, if it is a girl. Yeah. I will absolutely be this mom. Okay, you know, like the cute little moms that you see on like Instagram reels or Facebook reels where like they match with their daughters. Yeah. Okay. I really want like a matching like robe and like swaddle or something like for like my daughter. Oh, you had a friend that did that. Yeah. When it was um, Alexa. Yeah. When she, it was super cute. Louisa left the hospital. They had little sunflowery cute. Yeah. I thought it was was so adorable. adorable. Mm -hmm. And so I want something like that. Can I, can I match you guys? Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Buy me one and I'll pay you back. No, you're buying me these things. Oh, that's oh, why well, I was telling. That's why I was telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep me in the loop. What okay. we're supposed to do? Um, okay, sorry. Well, let's, okay, we wanted to kind of catch up before we go to sound freedom because that's going to be that's a big topic that I'm passionate about, and I know you are passionate about. You was fantastic. So yeah. we can jump into that, but let's um, talk about because vacation? we missed everybody on vacation and Independence Day, and what we did, and we'd love to hear what you all did. Um, we. Got some really cool pictures of some people right. on our Facebook. But um, anyway, but. you leave. What did you guys do? Because you. Okay, so we were on the walk. So we did a staycation. Okay. Which was honestly, mom, because we, you know, we're trying to kind of save some money because we just bought that new car mm-hmm. and it was expensive. Yep. Um, but it's really great. It's reliable and we needed something great and reliable, especially because Casey didn't want me stranded with the new baby on the side of the road. Yeah, right. You know. That would be tragic. Are you looking at my teeth? You're like giving me a glare and I no. can't tell what you're doing. I'm looking at your lipstick. Oh, is it cracking? My lips are pretty dry. They got sunburned. No, it's got more orange in it. Usually you're more pink and it's oh, got more it's orange. Oh, it's because I, I kind of lined my lips heavier today. Okay. Is that why? Yeah, and it made it more orangey looking than... Do we like the more, orange or do we like the more pinky? More raspberry. Okay. See, I didn't mean to. So what had happened was I was lining them and it looked kind of like almost like... Like there were spots missing, so then I lined it again. Mm, it's fine. It's beautiful. Yes. Anyway, okay, okay, so you guys did a staycation. What yeah. does what does a staycation mean? A staycation like? means that you stay like you don't ever sleep anywhere but your own house. But you know, you travel like like do like day trips and things like that. Okay. Um, and so what Casey and I did a lot is we um we borrowed his grandparents' boat and we took it out three times. Oh, that sounds nice. And it was fantastic. What kind of boat do they have? They have a pontoon boat. I want to say it's from the 80s, but I, I, I'm i not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we took it out three different times. And the first time we took it out, we took it out on the St. Mary's River. Um, to, actually, two of the times we took it on the St. Mary's. But this first time when we took it on the St. Mary's River, we had um, 
our friends Hawk and Brianna with us. And then um, Casey um, went to youth group with this girl named Leanne. And so we invited Leanne and her husband, Weston, and they're actually ex- expecting a baby in girl, like a month. you talk fast. Okay. I'm listening. I'm like, I can't think as fast as you talk. So here's the thing. I have to talk quickly because like, I'm trying to remember every single thing. Okay. So, so you took Hawk and Brianna out the first day with additionally with the youth Leanne and Weston. Okay. Leanne and Weston. And they're expecting a baby, um, in like a month. Okay. Which is cool. But, um, we went on the St. Mary's and it was a fantastic time. We found this little sandbar and we kind of just plopped the boat right there, and we all hung out in the river. It's crazy. It's really dark water. I saw some pictures. Isn't and, that crazy? Yeah, and I and I noticed some people asked if you guys were, like, hitting the river bottom. Yeah, they were asking if we were stirring them. Well, they didn't ask. They accused. Oh, okay. But um, they were thinking we were stirring up mud because of the color of the water um, with the motor, and we're like, no, that's just the color of the water because we were in, like, 19 feet of water at that point. Um so anyway, we we docked the boat um, on this little sandbar. And it was fun. We ate and we, you know. You took like picnics with you? Yeah, we took like sandwiches and uh, like Gatorades and stuff. And it was just a really fun time. And you swam and laid out? Did we you guys swam, fish? We laid out. We didn't fish, but we did on the way back go tubing, which before anyone is really concerned, we went tubing, but the highest speed that the boat can get is literally like 13 miles an hour. <laughs> You're fine. So we're fine. And also to... Grandma got her motorcycle license. Grandma Jan did when she was five months pregnant. So... Yeah. So to, okay. com- so to combat any like worry mm-hmm. of like the the bump getting hit, yeah. I uh, when Casey and I went together, A, he would hold on to me for dear life because he didn't want me <laughs> falling down. He is um, very protective. He's super protective. And then additionally to that, he didn't want me to go on my knees at first because he was scared that I would fall off that way. Yep. But then once he realized I was pretty capable at not falling off. Mm-hmm. He was happy because I went on my knees so that my bump didn't get hit. That's so cute. Yeah, well, that sounds like a good time. It was great. Oh, and it like poured rain while Casey and I were going. So it was like thundering and lightning. And we were like in the middle of the water. And Casey was like, I was like, should we go? And he goes, no, it's fine. And I said, great. If we die, we die together. As And then he goes, as a family. <laughs> And he touched my belly, as he said, as a family. That's so cute. Well, for those of you that are listening from around the country and other parts, in Florida, when it rains... Well, this was in Georgia, but yeah. Okay. Is it the same where you guys were? It buckets. It doesn't just Yeah. Oh, yeah, because this, this is the, really on the border of mm-hmm. Georgia and Florida. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And yeah, the rain, it just pours. And it's not really a big worry to be out in it unless it's thunder and lightning. Yeah, which it was, but it was like at least a mile away. Um, <laughs> How can you tell? You just count. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, um, that's true. yeah, so we were doing that and it was, cra- it was raining buckets and I was wearing, um, my Trump 2024 hat and Casey, I had had the little front flipped up yeah, because it's a bucket hat uh-huh. and <laughs> when it started pouring, Casey reached over and flipped it down. So he goes, you don't want to get the rain in your eyes. And I was like, I can't see. We're literally <laughs> on this tube and I cannot see. Oh. So we took that out, um, one of the days and then on 4th of July, we went to, um, the beach, we took our not as good Jeep to the beach. Um, and we went there with um, his sister and um, her husband and their two kids. And then my brother and his wife and their three kids. 
And we were all at the beach and it was a really great time for 4th oh, of July. That sounds nice. Now, what did you guys do for fireworks? Did you see fireworks or what happened there? Yeah. So we had to drive around for fireworks. Because I know you were going to go up in the plane with Hawk and Brianna. Well, that had been an option, but there there weren't any planes available for, for rent. Okay. Because you guys have done that before on the 4th of July and that was... Gosh, that looked incredible. It was so cool. I wanted Casey and I. Um, Casey's going to talk to Hawk because I'd really like to. We'd we'd really like to do, do that again next year. Mm-hmm. And I said, "What about the baby?" He goes, "I'm sure one of our family members will die to get to watch the baby." Oh yeah, <laughs> um, pick me, pick me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're hoping to do that next year. Um, but we tried to go to the beach, but they closed the beach access other than just walking. And so the parking lot was so filled with, like, there wasn't even a spot for us. So you couldn't park anywhere? No, like any beach we went to, it was like that. And so we just drove around and we watched the fireworks that way. But honestly, it was really nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I think mine was more cool, but go ahead. (sighs) Okay. Then on Wednesday, we hung out (laughs) with with Hawk again. Um, Brianna had to work. But then his friend Garrett came out and he brought his daughter, Emmy. Mm -hmm. How old is she? She's five. Oh, five is such a cute age. It's so cute. And we went out to um, Little Talbot Island and we rode around there and we docked the boat in like a foot deep of water. Mm-hmm. Now, is it, what's it like underneath? I hate when it's lots of mushy stuff. No, luckily it was not like that. It's very sandy, very nice. And we okay. were actually, we found um, sand dollars mm. and it was just really, it was great. And we actually tubed there too, mm-hmm. but um, I did not tube for as long there because the water was a bit more rough. Mm-hmm. Um, at first when we went, it was super, super smooth. It was like glass, but as the day went on, you know, the four o'clock showers of Florida. Yeah, I know. Every, <laughs> every day in the summer around three or four. Exactly. So we had went and that was really fun. But I told Casey, like I, I had them stop the boat because I was like, uh this is getting a little too rough, even yeah. though it doesn't go as fast because the water was so choppy. I just wasn't confident. You feel like that's beating you up. Yeah. And I just didn't want to risk anything. So we stopped. But that was incredible. And then um, there, Thursday, Casey had to work. So I saw Sound of Freedom by myself and it was fantastic. And I loved it. That's really cool that you do. I love that you do that. Oh, yeah. And I got to meet some cool like older ladies mm-hmm. um, and they were really sweet. And she goes, well, just get one of the ladies. She said, just get prepared to cry because, you know, I heard this was a really emotional movie. And I was like, well, I'm pregnant, so I can only imagine. She goes, oh, she goes, you need a whole box of tissues. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I'm glad you went. That's that's a big deal. And And I won't go all the rest of my week. But okay, so so um, were there a lot of people at Sound of Freedom when you went? Mom, it was crazy. And that was in Yuli. It was in, so it was in Yuli. It was mm-hmm. at the AMC in, theater in Yuli. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have cool seats. Like they're just, the, you know, the, re, I don't want to say old fashioned, but you know, like the regular just movie theater seats, not the recliners, but like I, before they got their makeover. Yeah, That's exactly. the kind of seats that they have, the kind that just flips down kind of like a church. Sure. Um, and so I feel like I've had caffeine today and I haven't. It's okay. Do you feel like I've had caffeine? I like your energy. Sorry. It's, it's fantastic. Thanks. No, that's okay. Um, but yet I, I haven't seen... A theater that packed since pre-COVID. Well, that's really great. Have you? Um, it was the same for us. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, finish up. What else did you do on your vacation? Okay. So then Friday. on Friday, um, Justin and Jana were going to come out, but they had to cancel. And Casey was going to cancel our boat day too. And I was like, no, I still want to, because um, Jana ended up having to work. Sure. Um, but I, I was like, no, I, I still want to do that. Because, like, I was really looking forward to taking the boat out again. Mm-hmm. Um, cause and Mario, like, by the way, Mario and Huli really like Justin and Jana, too. I know. So it that made, made me so me happy. happy. I like all this family blending. Also, I love that Jana listens to the podcast. Shout out, Jana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, 
But Casey and I went out, just the two of us, on the St. Mary's. Oh, I saw a picture, um, and you said something about snacks or something at this, and it was this cute little place that said Boats Welcome. What was that? Yeah, so I think it was, so it's interesting. There was no people in there. None. We were the only two people. But it said it it was open. open? Yes. And what it was, I, I guess, so there's cameras, so they can see you. Okay, and, and I saw a dock, and you can go up to this building. Right, and so we went up to this building. We walked up. I think it's attached to a campground. Okay. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't want to say a convenience store, but it had, um, oh, my gosh, I had such a cute hat. I really wanted to buy it. You know, like the sun hats um, that are kind of sporty. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm-hmm. where, that men or women can wear. Yep. That are like, but they go out to here. Oh, I think those are cute. She's, she's. What are you showing? Like a straw like hat a brim. kind of a look? A kind brim of like, hat? Yeah, like, like a straw hat kind okay. of a thing. Um, but on the bottom, it had a picture of a cute sunflower, and I loved it, and I really wanted it, but it was $35. Oh, no, because you guys are, you just bought a new car. Exactly. Um, and then it had some really cool, cute towels, and then it had cute shirts with, like, the name of the campground on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did have some ice cream in there, and then I want to say, like, a few, like, chips and stuff. But that was really it. Um, and the, what they had was on the wall, there was, like, a QR code that you can scan, and so uh. you can pay with but they only accept PayPal. Oh, so you couldn't do Venmo or... Well, so here's the uh, thing. PayPal owns Venmo, so I wonder if you could. Okay, maybe. Now, was there a jar that you could just put cash in? No. Okay, because I've done places, they call it the honor system, and you just put the money in the kitty, and you trust people to... Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. But it was nice because, you know, we had gotten off the boat, and we went up there, and I really had to go potty. Um, and they had a bathroom, and it was fantastic. You guys should take a little tent and some sleeping bags and go back there and camp. I that, think that sounds like the kind of place I would really enjoy going. I would really enjoy that. I, I wouldn't want to go to, like, October, which by October I'm going to be That's huge. Fine. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so we did that on Friday. Um, and then on Friday we went to um, Riverside in Jacksonville, and we were going to try to go to Hawker's. I think I told you that. I called you on the way there. Mm. But the wait was an hour and 45 minutes. No, 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 no. And we're like, no. So we, what we did was we went to this Mediterranean place mm-hmm. um, and we got uh, hummus mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Um, and while we were there, we Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eated. Yeah. We Ubered. <laughs> um, we had, we ordered um, hawkers through Uber Eats and then picked it up like, an hour before our our table would have even been ready. So we still got it, and then we went home, and we've started to watch um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So you got the enjoyment of going out somewhere. You picked up some nice food, and yeah. then you went home. I like to be home anyway. Yes. Okay, it's all you. All me. So ours was, you know, we, we put, we have a van, and we put um, the the mattress in the back. I love that. So hippie. And, and dad was not really sure he was feeling it, but... Um, Really? We headed to Gatlinburg that night. About 10 miles before Gatlinburg, we stopped. We had dinner. Wait, you made it all the way that far the first night? Yeah. Well, we were talking and we were listening to um, some some stuff that interests me. We were listening about um, John Newton. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of got into that. And I was listening to the book because I rented a book. Oh, there's a book. Yeah, there's a book. So I rented a book too. you know so much more. And um, anyway, so we went out for a steak. And that was fantastic. Where'd you go? Was it like a, a, a chain restaurant or? Mm, it was Longhorn. Oh, what did I call? Yeah, it was Longhorn. Oh, I didn't realize and then, that. Okay. And, then, and then we ended up like going another two rest areas further. And um, 
and we we camped. But um, and dad loved that, I'm sure. You know, he did okay, but the thing is, it wasn't that hot that night. But your dad puts out so much heat at That's night. That's like me. Yeah, that it normally I'm not that hot in the van, but when dad's sleeping in the van with me, he puts out so much heat that uh, he'd love for me to tell you he's hot, but uh, he just puts out a lot of heat. Well, I do that and Casey is like dying because mm-hmm. no, I, I I'm so warm. And I had him turn over. I'm like, you have to turn over. You're breathing hot air on me. <laughs> you didn't sleep with the car on? No, no. We, we put all the windows down far enough that people couldn't get their arms through and... Um, Put up my little curtains and it was fine. Oh, um, so anyway, we went to Gatlinburg and dad did some moonshine tasting. Oh yeah. What flavors did he try? Oh, there were so many. And this guy was- Was so- he wasted? No, no. <laughs> because when you do moonshine tasting, it's about, I don't want to be disrespectful, but they're about the size of communion cups. Oh, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. And Like a mini shot. Yeah. And- um, the people that do the tasting are hilarious and funny and they're making jokes. And I and I took some videos because it was super funny. And we bought some um, moonshine for Uncle Jason, little little different flavors. Yeah. And I think he'll have fun with that. But that was a lot of fun. We, we utilized the city before it got crazy because Gatlinburg, they have the first, they, they tout that they have the first 4th of July parade in the United States on 4th of July because it starts at midnight, like at 12.01. So it's the very, very first parade. So we spent the whole day in Gatlinburg. And then finally we found a place we were going to sit because people were marking their spots. This was on July 3rd? On July 3rd. Okay. People were marking their spots early in the day. And so we just decided we were going to take this bench and stay there from 5 o'clock till midnight. You're kidding me. So if we had to use a restroom or we wanted to get food, we'd come and go. We'd talk to people. Please tell me one of you would lay down when, no, we when the other left. No, we just put my junk on the, <laughs> the seat. And it was interesting. Um, and was we, it hard to hold down the, the seat that long? No, but these other people that we made friends with, they were older. And they had set up where they were going to sit beside us. And we chatted for quite a long time. And they thought, okay, a lot of people would leave their stuff and, and go away. And these people went away to have their dinner and this young group of like 25-year-olds came and they were just taking over their spot and sitting in their chairs. They were not sitting in their chairs. Are you kidding me? And I was really nice, but I said, hey, guys, you know, that's somebody else's place. Were and, they rude to you? Mm, you know how there's always that girl that she's going to show you? Uh-huh. And I think I handled it with some decorum. Did she go away finally? Mm-hmm. She did. And Ew, I hate when people are so disrespectful. And and I told her, yeah, anyway, I, I told her she was being disrespectful. <gasps> you told her? Yeah. And I love that you can say things when you're older that you can't say when you're younger. And I, I told her, I said, it's just not respectful to take somebody else's seats and help yourself. And these people had come early in the day to save their spots. And anyway, it worked out. Good. But um, the parade was a lot of fun. But before the parade, um, so right in front of us, there was this one um, moonshine store that the whole front rolls up. And and you can go in there as a family because it's not a... It's not a bar. It's not a bar. But they were tasting. They were doing moonshine tasting, and they had this little darling two-and-a-half-year-old. And she kept coming outside, and they weren't really watching her. And I'd get up and I'd say, you go in, you go into your parents. And she'd look at me and get big eyes. And finally- You didn't say it meanly, did you? No, I just was serious because there were so many people. She could have been taken easily. Easily. And so finally one time she came out of the restaurant 
And she ran down the street and she was two stores down. And I went, I chased her and I didn't touch her because I don't, you know, people are kind of weird about that. Yeah. And I, and I, I got in front of her and I said, you go back to your mommy and daddy. And I thought, oh. Did you finally tell, you, tell the mom and dad? Like- well, they saw me get up and chase her and they, yeah. they realized so then they started um managing a little bit more not not to be like a karen to like go and tell them but i mean it's just the safety thing at that point like two and a half years old and two stores down yeah no it was i would safe. have a panic mode if that was my child and and there were so many people it was this it was packed but um anyway so then um we saw the parade that night that was a lot of fun um little disappointed in the fact that people don't realize now when the flag just goes by on a float you don't have to stand and and at attention for the right. flag. But when the flag is being presented, like with a color guard and and there's marching bands, like there was military marching bands, you got to get up and show your respect. Like dad, he popped right up and and re- retired military go into a salute. Yeah. And, and I stood up at attention, um, put my hand over my heart. But I was really disappointed that honestly, we were a nomin- an anomaly. Yeah. People were just sitting there and the flag is being presented. Now this was at by- midnight? This is at midnight, but people were wide awake. And I, I wish people would really start respecting our flag and what it stands for, especially on an Independence Day parade. I was, you know, I I'm, I'm, can't let go of that. Yeah, I get that. But it um, was very fun. Then, then the next day we went to Dollywood, um, military bands. I love Dollywood. Dollywood is not packed like Disney. And the weather's fun. Way nice. better. I liked the picture of you standing in, in a coffin or a casket. Yeah, I don't know. That was in some, they had a recreation of a mine or something. Oh. Anyway, that was very fun. Um, we went on an old-fashioned wooden roller coaster there. But the coolest thing, um, there's a train engine in Dollywood. And that train engine is actually a steam engine from the gold rush um, on the the Canadian, um, the Alcan, Alcan Rail- Highway. Well, from the gold rush on the White Pass Railroad. Okay. And so that would have been up by Skagway. But it's been brought down here, and it was really from the gold rush. So that was really cool. Um, The next day we went to the Titanic Museum. Right. And that was very cool. Um, Where was the Titanic Museum? That was in... Was it near... Pigeon Forge. Oh, cool. That was in Pigeon Forge. Um, Because we stayed. Dad had points, and so we weird? Was it weird for you to go to the Titanic Museum after all this, like... Stuff that's happening. I, I definitely thought about that. For example, they because I I know that wasn't your reasoning for going. No, no. I grandma had mentioned it, and so I thought, yeah, we that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it, I definitely because you go into one room and they've kind of recreated what the sky was like that night, and they have the the really? air, the temperature that it was that night, and you can touch the water, the temperature that the water oh, that's was that cool. night. And they have that created. You go out this door, and inside, before you go out the door, they have, like, what the what the control room, the engine, not not the engine like room. Like the steam room? The, or what did they Where have? the steering wheel of the ship would have been. Oh, yeah, okay. Where you would pull down, you know, how fast the ship needs to go. I know what you're talking about, stuff. yeah. And um, you could see out the window and see what the sky would have looked like. And they had, it was interesting, like, 37 seconds or something from the time they spotted the iceberg until they hit. And there was nothing they could do? No, there was not enough time to do anything. And I was really intrigued with the different staterooms and things. But wait, before, because when it happened, they didn't have like what they have now where they can literally like detect those big things in the water so that they don't hit them. 
No, but I think it was being put out. I think they were getting information about the icebergs. Okay. I think there was some information. But I, it wasn't as easily as we can do it today. Not like today. No, because like even Grandpa Shane, when he had his charter boat, you could have um, different things that detect schools of fish. The yeah, because like with Casey, when we're on the pontoon, he has like a little screen that like tells that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. They definitely didn't have that kind of thing. But um, I guess I really got caught up in John Jacob Astor. And his wife, Madeline, who was 18, he was 47 and she was 18. That's creepy. And he was the most wealthy man on the ship. He was worth, I think, $87 million, which would be $2.21 billion today. And they had a lot of the things from her and things that they found on his body. Because he put her in in a life raft. And then, of course, he did not get on the life the the raft or the little the little boat and his body was found um later and like they had a pocket watch that was in his pocket that was at the museum and it's worth like $50,000. Wow. And they had quite a few things in the museum that were and I think some of them are going to be auctioned off here very soon but the value of them was incredible. That's interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting museum, and I knew this, but Dad hadn't realized that the band kept playing until the Titanic went down. The band was up on the the main deck. Why? Why? Well, it was going down. They were men, and, and the men didn't get on, and they thought it would calm the passengers. So the band went up out on the deck, and the band was playing until the ship you know, totally that makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like I know I'm pregnant and it's probably just hormones, but that, oh, uh, yeah. Can you imagine playing and just knowing you're going to die? It, it was incredible. And and it said some of the songs they were playing and it had their pictures, the band members' pictures. So anyway, the museum was fantastic. Um, And then right before we went into the museum, I ran over to the Hatfield and McCoy dinner theater <laughs> and dad's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just going to run in here. And we went to the Hatfield McCoy uh, Dinner Theater after that. And because, again, Grandma Jan, I took her on a trip. Aren't we related to one of them? We're related like four generations out to uh, Wall Hatfield, who was Valentine Hatfield. He was the judge. Okay. And um, I don't think that's something we should brag on. He was, you know, supposed he was implicated in... um, some bad stuff. But anyway, right. who knows? I don't know. So you ran over to the Hatfield McCoy? Yes. Yeah, so we, after we got done at the Titanic, we went um, to the Hatfield McCoy Dinner Theater. Cool. And that was a really, I mean, they flooded the stage. At one point they have this, it sunk down and it became a swimming pool and there was fire and there were what? rope swings and it, it was an incredible production. The music, and it had that twangy Tennessee banjo music. Oh, I love and that. great singing. So that was a, a really fun um, adventure. Um, and then the next day we went and explored, um, did we explore Asheville the next day? Or whitewater rafting? I can't, I got my days mixed up. But we, my big thing is remember I, for this year I had whitewater rafting. That was the thing on my live till you're Till you die list. Right. So we went whitewater rafting. Um, I saw the in pictures. Hartford, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. I want to go back. It was so, so much fun. Um, we hit some class four rapids. That's very cool. Yeah. And because um, class five would be a waterfall, right? I don't know. I think no, so. I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, it was a lot of fun and we got wet, but they teach you how to put, put your in the boat so that you don't get flipped into the water, but I was drenched. Did you have to put your foot under the like big thing? You kind of sit on the side-ish and you put your feet down in a certain way and then you don't get knocked out. So yeah. It awesome. was fun. Um, 
And then, yeah, the next day we went to Asheville and we were going to go hiking, but, um, we got on this weird road and I after, thought you did go hiking. You didn't end up hiking. No, no, we didn't end up hiking because we went clear up and we got on the single lane gravel road. And after the third, no trespassing sign and our van was starting to heat up. I'm like, honey, I don't think this is a good idea. Man, you should have texted me and asked where we went. Cause you know, we went hiking for my um, bachelorette party. Yeah. I wish I would have known because I really want to go hiking, but it was getting scary. Yeah, and Asheville's so. really pretty to go hiking at. Yeah. And they had like a little, we, we hiked to a waterfall and everything. It was cool. Yeah, no, it was it was really beautiful, but too risky. So we didn't do that, but we did a lot. Dad was yeah, exhausted. But you did something after hiking, didn't you? Or trying to hike? No, we went to like the tea room. Yeah, in the Asheville. tea. Oh, and you thought the tea room was lame. It just wasn't, it has that kind of food that dad, dad likes meat and potatoes. Oh, I know. He doesn't like, so you and I both like the kind of foods that like combine different cuisines and like mm-hmm. kind of like exploratory food. And the bakery there was really good. What's it called? I, I The tea and spice exchange? No, I, that's not the one. No, um, tea and spice exchange is different. But the whole downtown Asheville, it's an old city. It has a, a great, clean um, city vibe. And it's neat at night. He enjoyed it at nighttime. So it was a good time. It just, um, the food, no, dad likes meat and potatoes and not pretty food. Yeah. Um, but he liked the idea of the bakery. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And one of the things we did do was Sound of the Freedom, Sound of Freedom as well. Mm -hmm. And the theater was packed for us as well. Yeah. It, uh, were, were there seats available? No. No, there. No. I just drew on myself. <laughs> no, it was packed. Um, so those of you, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't heard of Sound of Freedom, Freedom yet, and it has been a box office smash. Yeah, and and it wasn't projected to be, and it wasn't. No, it was, and and we've pretty much determined that this is true. Um, Disney owned the rights to the film. Oh, I, Mom, I saw this on another article, so it is for sure. Yeah, I and and I've researched it quite a bit too. Yeah. So we both researched this. Um, and everything we can find, it appears to be true that Disney originally owned the rights to Sound of Freedom. Um, it was under a different name, I believe. Was it? I, th- I think so. And they didn't really have a plan to release it. And eventually, um, Angel Studios bought the rights. And they took it to Amazon, got turned down, took it to Netflix, got turned down, decided to pre-sell tickets and were able to uh, get it into 2,600 theaters and beat out Disney's Indiana Jones on July 4th. And um, for those of you who haven't heard about it, the film is based on a true story. Yep. It's about child sex trafficking. And it's really, it's heavy. It is very heavy. And I want to talk about something in in just a second. But um, the Indiana Jones budget for their film was almost $295 million. That is crazy. The Sound of Freedom budget was $15 million. Um, Indiana Jones... Disney released it in 4,600 theaters. Sound of Freedom, Angel Studios, released in 2,600 theaters. Indiana Jones, on July 4th, brought in about $11.5 million. Mm-hmm. Sound of Freedom brought in $14 million. That is amazing. And um, that was the July 4th um, numbers. So the... The movie is exposing the darkness that is going that is going on um, in the country, and basically, not just do you, the country, do you want the to, world in in the world. It's the biggest growing industry. It is already it's sick too. The child pornography thing. Did you hear the statistic about 
child pornography. I want to say, like, they said that, so there's, like, 22 million, like, images or something of child pornography on the web or something. It, it was crazy, and it had, it had increased, like, by, like, either 500% or 5,000%. It was, it was an astronomical number. It's, it's, it makes me sick, and it makes me angry. Yeah. And, like, that opening scene with that, scene with that guy from San Ysidro. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like uploading pictures of children and videos and all this disgusting stuff, um, you know, in his room and it was just so shady and so disgusting. And and Tim Ballard, who is the real person that, um, Jim Caviezel, Caviezel, Caviezel portrays in the movie. Tim Ballard is a real man who worked for Homeland Security. Yeah. He worked for Homeland Security and his job, you know, they, they arrested these people. But he was getting frustrated and sick that they're arresting these people, but they're not, they weren't they're not finding the children. Yeah. And, and it, and he had to go through and watch all and, the evidence and, and watch disgusting. the ed- evidence and, and document it and type out all this different stuff. And it was sickening him and making him angry. And Hollywood right now is really pushing back. And calling it the QAnon, like, conspiracy theory, which I think is freaking ridiculous. Like, the fact, like, they, they are, like, denying anything about this is is asinine. And it's about time that people start saying enough is enough. This really takes place. Stop gaslighting us, Hollywood, and own it. If there's a little mis- it wasn't misnomer. Even, and it wasn't even calling out Hollywood in the film. Like, that's the thing. No, no. And I know for sure this kind of stuff takes place because we said we'd talk about it. And I'm going to talk about it okay. today because we've mentioned it before. But for me as a mother, it is it is still frame frozen in my mind. You see, and I like only I only like slightly remember it because you okay you were eight and a half years old and mm-hmm. we were living in the Navy Lodge on 32nd Street in San so Diego. So it wasn't actually on a base, right? It, it was a military base. You had to use identification to get on 32nd Street. Okay, and we were living in the Navy Lodge that mostly military families would stay at and because we were um, in between in between um, duty stations and we would always sell a home. You had to finish school before we'd move to the next place. Yeah. And we were getting ready to move to Washington. I was doing laundry on the first floor. So you picture the first floor and there's this little area where you come in the front door and there's the gal that checks you in. And right there by the front door, there are pop and soda machines in a little elbow of that spot. Anybody knows that that's how it would be? And it was right there. But not not an eight and a half year old. Not No, not an eight and a half year old. Because, but any adult would yeah, know. Be, because I was sheltered and I only got it on our floor, if ever. Yeah, it, we didn't typically go to the to the candy and pop machines. But so right... Let me clarify, pop with a P. Pop. Because in Washington State and on the West Coast, you'd say pop. And on the East Coast, you say soda. I was just wanting people to make sure that you didn't say, say pot. Oh, oh, I didn't even think that. Well, okay. Sounded, it sounded like pot. That's yeah. what I was like. I want to make sure people know you're saying pop. Anyway, so we're living we're living in this hotel on the third floor. And we've come down with our, our laundry to do laundry. And you're skipping and playing. And, and, and I was an innocent eight and a half year old. You were an innocent eight and a half year old with a braid down to your fanny and and just happy and you're helping me. And people have to know I have severe OCD. I, I finish every job and Hannah's in and out, in and out. And I'm taking clothes out of the dryer. And all of a sudden 
the Holy Spirit tells me, check on Hannah. Mm-hmm. And I'm hesitating because I haven't finished taking my clothes out and the dryer's wide open. And it was like, it was like an ice curdling loud now. Yeah. And so I stopped what I was doing and I ran into the hall. I looked left. I looked right to see the elevator door closing. And I run to the elevator. I couldn't even see who was in the elevator. And as I get to the elevator, I see you and I put my arm in. Yeah. And the elevator door opens and you're in the elevator with a man. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm more, and I'm looking at the man with eyes that could cut right through him. And you look at me, I was showing him where the candy machine was. And I look at the man and I'm like, it's right there. And you point to the front. And I point to the front and I grab your arm out. And I'm just shaking because I'm thinking, did this really happen? And I've even questioned myself over the years. Ah, maybe not. Yeah. And, but I went to the front. But you don't know that it was going to be for trafficking. It could have been for a slew of just. It, It could have been anything, but nothing good. Yeah. And I go to the front counter and I tell the little gal working there, I'm like, hey, I am positive that this man just tried to abduct my daughter. And she had me tell her. And honestly, nobody ever came and asked me any questions. I am sure that nothing was done from that. And now today, as I look back, and that's why I'm so glad that this movie came out, I would have called base command and I would have made a stink about it. Yeah. But... You know, we lived, part of this movie, you'll see them um, putting these children in the container. And San San Ysidro, I think, was where that one man was arrested. It is. And where uh, the little boy who was nicknamed Teddy Bear, but his actual name, do you remember his actual name? No, no, I don't remember his his actual name. I'm having trouble remembering his actual name, but um, where that boy was found was... Tijuana, mm-hmm. entering into San Diego, Southern San Diego. Yeah. It, it, we went to, we used to go to Tijuana a lot. We would walk to Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And and dad finally, he said, we're not going there anymore. Because he used to go and he never had a good time. He would wear his his glasses. And I, I'm like, what are you, the Terminator? Because he would no, but just he, kind he, of follow us. And lo- he was always looking around and watching you. It's like Casey, when we go to a bad area, like he doesn't relax because he... Whereas, like, we're allowed to be, I don't want to say naive, that's the word that Mario would use, but where we're allowed to be, I guess, more just oblivious and happy-go-lucky, mm-hmm. biblically, like, as the protectors, like, they can't be. No. Well, and and so let's tell the rest of the movie. This this little boy, um, his sister is, I want to say his sister at the time was maybe... She was 10. Was she 10? And they found her when she was 11. And, and she sang really pretty, and... And this, the little brother was four or five. And anyway, because we didn't exactly say, the little brother got found a few months after um, he was abducted. Um, and that was entering into the United States from Tijuana. But, um, but he was originally from Honduras and both of them were abducted from Honduras. And and how they were abducted is this beautiful, um, she won a beauty pageant kind of a lady. It was like Miss Miss Honduras or something. Yeah. And she won it and she comes to the door and I've heard your daughter sing and she's very talented. And I think that we could, anyway, emphasize she's, her she's build a career. She's beautiful, like, and so is your son. Um, and she shows them, or she shows the father a pamphlet, pamphlet even. Yeah, it's a printed pamphlet. It's really well done. It looks professional. And, and she's like, but I need you to bring them. Yeah. And so the dad brings them. Super proud, excited. He was so proud. And the little girl was fixed so, so darling up for the day. And he gets there 
oh, no stage fathers. You can come back at seven and pick them up. Mm -hmm. And he looked hesitant at the time, but he left. And when he came back, they were gone. But in the meantime, you know, because the kids think they're going to be famous and popular, they're taking pictures. They put lipstick on like they, a six-year-old yeah. girl. They unbuttoned that little boy's shirt and like popped his collar trying to it, it's like just, sexualize these kids. It it was disgusting. It, it it grieved my heart. And and so you kind of progress and you can only imagine how it goes. But then the little boy gets gets rescued by Wait, you're missing parts. Okay. So uh, from this room that they had taken, you know, these kids to that the father dropped him off at, the woman had said, be back at 7, 7 p.m. sharp to pick up your children. Um, And he was back at 7. Nobody was in the hotel area. It was just completely deserted. And what had happened was they, she had told um, these children that they were going to the beach to take a photo shoot. And then that would be the perfect place to get like a modeling photo shoot. So they all willingly get in the back of this van. But the one little girl, she's like, shouldn't we check with my dad first? Yeah. And then the lady goes, we checked with your dad. He's fine with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so from there, they don't drive to the beach. They drive to containers. And they, yeah, they go all, in a, a warehouse. They mm-hmm. drive into a warehouse. They then have an angry man meet them there. And that's when they know that they're not actually going to be models or anything like that. They um, put them in this in this container. And then that container gets shipped from Honduras, I think, to Mexico after that. And then some of these kids end up in Colombia. Um, so then the one that is nicknamed Teddy Bear gets rescued finally by Ted or by Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard. Who, um, who he um, he couldn't get rid of. He begs he begs Homeland Security to give him a budget to go to Columbia to go to Columbia after he saves the little boy because the little boy begs him to find his sister. Yeah, he just he he can't let go of it, and he has this he has this medal that his sister gave him just before they got out of the containers, and it was Tim, uh, it said Tim- Timothy Tim- Timothy uh, a saint I believe, which is the. Um, Saint of Children, maybe? I, I I'm didn't, not sure. I couldn't read it, but, um, but yeah. But, and that happens to be his name, Tim Ballard's name. In Spanish, is Timothy. And and he tr- he he tracks and tracks the sister, and he, he gets an idea where she is, and he's got and this thing. And he has this great idea uh, to open this, basically, hotel. Um, to sell children. To sell children. But he but, has no intention of selling children, just to get lots of them brought in. Yeah, to, to get lots of them brought in and saved, and to essentially you know, catch all these people. and um, Which he does catch those people and he does save, I think there was like, did he, they say 54 or 64 kids that were there? There there were a lot. And Homeland Security though, and, and I, as much as I don't agree with it, I get it. They dropped the budget. They had to drop the budget because they're saving children from Honduras and Colombia on a U.S. Home, Homeland Security budget. And so... Tim Ballard calls his wife, and he's just devastated. If this were these were my children, and she's like, "Say, do what you need to do. Quit your job. Save the children." And she's so supportive. And I hope I would be that woman. Yeah, that's um, that she that made, part they made, made me a, cry. Oh yeah, it made me sick. And you see, um, you can see go online and see pictures of his beautiful family because he had what like six kids. He had an insane amount of kids. I don't know, at least four. But uh, anyway, they they get to the point where they realize the little girl has been brought down into an area of Columbia 
that nobody goes. Yeah. And that like like lo- like uh, law enforcement would not go. And they figure out a way. They for, pretend to be doctors. They pretend to be doctors and they're going to do inoculations. And anyway, he goes down in and and saves the little girl. And from there he started um, something to save children operation. I forget what the name of it is, but it's, it's a good movie. Is it Operation Underground Railroad? Mm, I can't remember the okay. name, but it's incredible though. It's, and it's really eye opening. and it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's to scare people, but just to realize how easy it is. And to just like, if you see something, do something, say something. I would rather have somebody be mad at me. Like if somebody thought that you were with dad and, and it wasn't your dad, and they made it uncomfortable for 10 minutes, so be it. Yeah. I would rather them looking out for you than for anything to ever happen to you. Because when we lived in San Diego, we lived three miles from the border. And one, the statistics, that was back in 2003. 2001 to 2003, yeah. The statistics were... One in every 60. One in every 60 were um, sexual predators. Mm -hmm. And I would let you go... Um, down like to half a mile. Alana's house and you had to have your walkie-talkie with you, which would that save you? I don't know, but it was in a gated community. Were we gated? Yeah, we were gated back then. Yeah. We had a little clicker to open it. Um, but I really hope people take this to heart, that there's some way we can work together. It shouldn't be political, and the fact that Hollywood's making this political is sickening. It, it isn't political. It's good versus evil. Hands down, good versus evil. And and the mo- the the hashtag for the show is God's children aren't for sale. Yeah. And um, anyway, it was a movie that I think everyone should see and take to heart. And even if it's a delicate subject, it's one that we have to take charge of. And a lot of the different um, bathrooms have phone numbers inside of them now for children to call. And it's not just children. Yeah. And. The sad thing is, is then when they do get saved, rebuilding their lives is very... It's horrible. And like the damage is done, but it's so much better than staying in it. Yep, absolutely. So um, in the meantime, we can pray, we can keep our eyes open and and hopefully um, do something to to help those children. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you made me study this John Newton character. Well, I always like to have a topic. We're going to switch topics on you. That was heavy. And we're going to go to another heavy topic. Yeah. Gosh, but, mom. <laughs> but this topic is really, it ends well because it's the song Amazing Grace. Well, it's, yes. It's about the song Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace is played in the United States, they say. 10 million 10 times mil- a year. Yep, yeah. 10 million times oh, per year. Oh, did we listen to the same video? We I listen. That's all we did on our trip is listen to stuff about John John Newton and Amazing Grace. Yeah, and um, it's a fantastic song. Yeah. So John Newton was born in 1725, and he passed away in 1807 at the age of 82 years old. Ooh, you did good homework, sister. Yeah, girl. <laughs> um, anyway, she uh, he was from England. Um, he his mother Elizabeth died um, two weeks before his seventh birthday. Um, and then he went to boarding school for two years. And then after that, he went to live with his dad and his new wife. Okay, but before his mother. What before me, his mother? Before his mother died, he was down. You probably didn't hear this because this was in a different um, YouTube video that I was okay. listening to about him. Um, he was down at the waterfront in, in London where, where he lived. Right. And they were hanging pirates. 
and they hung a pirate. Doing the lynching? They were doing the lynching. And I, I want to find this out because they would hang a pirate, in, and it was like everybody came out to watch the hanging of a pirate, yeah. which is, that affect you forever. But, um, and they would hang them over the water, and the tide had to Three come. times. Three times. Why? I don't know. Um, I think I heard that in Pirates of the Caribbean last night, too, though. Yeah, and, um. and that, that was a thing, and I wish I knew why, so um, I still have to look that up, because... Um, I think it was to, like, ensure that they were... Or was it, like, the cleansing of their souls? It was something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, so... Wait, is there anything else you want to add before I go on? No, but the mom died, and the dad, he was a merchant ship captain. Yep, and the, he finally went to live with them after being in boarding school for two years. Um, and then at the age of 11, he went out to sea for the first time with his father, and that was between 1736 and 1742. Um, and I want to say, was it six voyages? I think that's about right. How many yeah. voyages he did? Was that with his father? He that did was like with six? His, I think it was six voyages with his father. And then after that, his dad had made plans for him to work on a sugarcane plantation in Jamaica, but John had other plans. Okay, so I'll take it from there. He, and that was in 1742, so that means he was 17-ish years old. Well, because prior to that, he had had even a little internship with another sea captain, mm-hmm. and the sea captain sent him home, and John knew he hadn't done a good job. He was a rebel. He was yeah. he was a little stinker, and he was a rebel, and it got worse from there. Uh-huh. Um, but he didn't take anybody seriously. No. And he had this opportunity. Well, let me let me back up. So he brought a letter home to his father from his father was a uh, ship captain okay. from another ship captain. And how old was he here? Uh, I can't remember, but it was before he was 17. Okay. And his father opened it and was hoping for good news. But basically the other ship captain said he wasn't worthy of the, New- the Newton name. Oh, wow. Can and you imagine? No, that would be like the worst. And his father did not take it well, and he was embarrassed yeah. and ashamed. Um, but anyway, his father still negotiated a deal for him with another captain to help him with a sugar plantation. He'd go to work on a ship. He'd go to this plantation. And he had like a deal that would have made him rich in just a couple years. Right. But instead... On the way there, he stopped to see his mother died at her, her best friend's house when before his mother passed away. Um, died at her best friend's house, so he stopped to see them on the way. And he met Polly, whose that was her nickname. Her real name was Mary, who was 14, and he fell. He just fell for her. And he ended up <laughs> staying there for two weeks. He was supposed to show up at the ship, and he ended up staying there for two weeks. And he just was foolish, and... So he's finally thinking, okay, I got to go to this ship and do this job. But back then, the British Navy, if you weren't with a ship and they needed somebody, they could just grab you and take you to work. And so they accosted him and took him to work on a British Navy ship. Wait, wait, how old was he there? That's when he was like 17. Okay, wait, you're skipping ahead. Okay, tell Um, me where you're at. Because he signed with a merchant ship sailing to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and then in 17, cause that's what he did instead of, um, instead of going to Jamaica. And then in 1743, he went into the Royal Navy and he was a midshipman on the HMS Harwich. Um, he tried to desert. Oh, he tried to desert a bunch of times. Yeah. He was, 
Graham Elmer would have called him a dither. Uh-huh. So he got punished in front of 350 crewmen. Um, he was stripped to the waist, and then he was tied to the grating, and he received a flogging of eight dozen lashes, um, and then he was demoted to a common seaman. And uh, they had no respect for him. No. They were like, who is this lazy, like, disgusting, disrespectful, like— he just had no respect for authority, and he was lazy. And he had he had tried, when he was deserting, he had tried to go be with Mary, but he got caught. Yeah. Mary That's called going, Polly. like, AWOL, right? In the, in the Navy, it would be called away without leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then he eventually transferred from the Harwich um, to the Pegasus, which was a slave ship that was going to West Africa. Yes. Now, let me pick it up on that a little bit. Okay. So everybody on the, the ship that he was on before he switched to the slave ship. Mm-hmm. On the har- so from the har- on, on the Harwich, is that what you're talking about? Mm, you know the names, I don't. Okay. Anyway, he was supposed to get off, and he was excited that even though nobody liked him, nobody would talk to him, nobody respected him, he was going to get to get off the ship. And they were like, where are you going? You're staying here. This is what you need to be doing. Oh, really? And about during that time frame, he saw that ship, and he negotiated his way off the ship. And they, they were just happy to get rid of him. And, and they traded. They traded one of the sailors that that ship didn't like, and they thought maybe it would all work out. Oh, wow. And he negotiated that. But here's the foolish thing he did. He did it on, he did it on every, almost every ship. They'd sing, and they'd be drinking, and he'd make up songs about the captain. And at first, like you know. Like mean songs? Yeah. Uh, he'd, make out, he'd make fun of the captain. He'd make fun of the of the ships and he would he didn't get that they might laugh for a second and then people would get offended and even when they started to like him they ended up not liking him and tada he did it on the next ship too great so then that 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 slave ship the pegasus left him in 1745 in west africa with a slave dealer named amos either clo or clow Okay. Yep. Um, I always heard it Clow. Did you hear it Clow? Okay. Uh-huh. So he left him with Amos Clow, and Amos gave John to his wife, Princess, is it Pei? Well, they called her P.I. P.I. Okay. Princess P.I. Um, and then was he- was a, a guinea princess. Yes. And then he became a slave, um, basically to her slaves, and she abused and mistreated um, him worse than all the other slaves. He recounts this time as, quote, a servant of slaves in West Africa. And, and you'll hear him refer to that time. Now, here's something interesting about P.I. Okay. She, she was help, helping sell her people. Yeah. Gosh, can she you imagine? Helping, and they called it factories. You know, they would bring the people in and they would hold them and sort them and, and get them prepped for selling. Yeah. So he was there. He was a slave basically for three years. And, and some of the slaves, I mean, she'd keep him in chains outside. Um, interesting. He had a math book that he owned during this time. Yeah. Really? And he would study math. That's so random. He loved math. It's random. It is. Also, also, he was so despicable. Sometime during his sailing time, he was so disliked by every crew he ever was on until later on uh-huh. that one time he was drunken and he fell overboard the ship and nobody wanted to save him. Oh, so gosh, they, you told they me harpooned this. him. Mm, on his thigh, this right? Is, and keep in mind, this is the man who wrote Amazing Grace. They harpooned him and helped, and that's how he got back up out of the water onto the ship. And after that event, he always, for the rest of his life, walked with a, a huge limp. Wow. 
I, I didn't know that part. Um, so he was there for three years. And then after three years in, in 1748, John Newton was rescued by a sea captain who was sent by John's father to look for him, which I thought that was like a really cool testament to John's father's love. Now, now his, his father did love him, but his father didn't send him specifically to go look at him. He was letting all his sea captain friends, please look for my son. Ask of my son. I hear he's here right. on the Guinea coast. So yeah, his dad loved him. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he was probably just in a place of desperation. Um, so he finally returned to England on a merchant ship called the Greyhound. Um, and it carried beeswax and dryer's wood. And all of this happened by the time he was 23. Yeah. And they said he didn't look 23 anymore. Did he look very old? I'm sure. He looked very old in his skin. He looked very old. And we should talk about his ride back to England too, but go on. Okay. Well, yeah, they didn't, they didn't like him on that ship either. He, the captain, at first the captain had said, you're going to have this inheritance because John wasn't even going to leave the Guinea coast, but the captain tricked him and he said, well, you've got this big inheritance when you come home. So you should like the prodigal son almost. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I really miss Polly. Um, and I'll have this inheritance. So, and the captain says, you'll be my guest. You won't have to work on the ship. Well, pretty soon. First of all, that was a lie. Um, (laughs) but he got, he, he made that captain not like him either. Yeah. Um, I, so I didn't know that part, Mm -hmm. but I did know that this was the start of his spiritual conversion was on the Greyhound. Um, although he claims that it, it, he wasn't a full believer at the time, considering how he lived, you know, some life after this. Um, but there was a super big storm off the coast of Ireland and he started to call out for God, for his mercy to God, for his mercy. Um, and then he started to read the Bible, um, on this journey and it was just, it was really incredible. So he did cry out to God, but part of that too was, he said later that he he wasn't really thinking about crying out to God. It just came naturally. But maybe that came from his mother because his mother, before she died, really instilled the scriptures and, and who God was to right. him. And so, you know, maybe that came back because they say train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Right. I was thinking the same verse. And, and you know, so that was good because the ship was breaking up. The captain... I think he had died, and I think the first mate had gone overboard during this storm, and the people down below, he had been bailing water out. The people down below, the, sh- the ship was breaking up, and they're stuffing bedding in the cracks of, of the ship breaking up. And so finally the storm dies down, and they're low on food, and they think they see the, the coast in the horizon after quite some time. And so they celebrate, and they they divvy out the rum that's left over and they think they're a day away from coast and they realize it wasn't coast and they're, they're almost out of food. They were even some of the the people on the ship were even talking about that they might have to eat the, the other people that had died that had, um, or that were weaker on the ship. And, you know, he didn't want to consider that even, even him. And he was the vilest of the vile. Yeah. And it, it, it said during this, this, journey that he also started to read the Bible. He, he, he was reading the Bible because one of the things, and I don't want to go into the detail, but if you ever really, they don't teach it in school. A slave trader was very different than a merchant ship captain. Yeah. The, what happened with the slaves? I'll, I'll give a couple examples. This wasn't during his slave trader time, right? No, but, but who he was, I think is important to address. Right. The fact that he'd been a slave trader, trader, um, 
already. Already. The type of control that was exercised and, and the vile behavior on these ships was— Not only would they get rid of somebody that had had passed away from a disease or, like, that was sick, they wouldn't just throw them over. It was way worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, the the, the kind of person he had become was wretched. Yeah. And, and where you almost couldn't stand yourself, but to be in that environment, you have to become somebody else almost. Yeah. But so he counts his actual date of, uh, or or this date has apparently become important. It was March tenth, seventeen forty eight. He always celebrated that date, and that's apparently uh, what I read. Is it says he accepted the Christian doctrine, but I take that as you know he asked Jesus into his heart, and and Jesus made the changes. Yeah, and and you know slowly but surely, you know he. S- he was seeking God, and the change took place. Right. And, and so from that time, yes, he didn't— okay. Is this what you were going to say? Yeah, go ahead. I'm glad we—by the way, we didn't do any of this together. We did this all separately. We didn't compare notes. No, um, but at that time, from that point on, he didn't drink, gamble, or swear. And I know that sounds very legalistic, but it has to start somewhere because, like, a lot of the times, like, for instance, when you're kids— like when you're a child, you don't really want to make up with your sibling or something like that, or you don't want to, there's a lot of things that you don't want to do, but eventually, um, if you practice just kind of obedience and stuff, you end up doing that just because it's what you're supposed to do and your heart eventually follows. And I feel like by doing, you know, those things by not, um, swearing, not drinking, not gambling, you know, that, that is a good starting point. Well, and, and as, and so then he ended up marrying Polly, who also will, known as Mary, also known as Mary, will refer that to was him in 1750, and he, and will refer to her as Mary going forward because he dropped referring to her as Polly, which was her nickname as a child, mm-hmm. and um, he was a good husband. He adored her, and later on, after she died, he published the letters between them. Who oh, did he? And because he became more and more godly, he kept he he became a really um, admired. Uh, Slave ship captain. And finally one time. But not because he was a slave ship captain, but because of his conversion. Because of his conversion. And he, and became, an aboli- he, he became an abolitionist. He, he did become an abolitionist later, but he didn't really at first during his conversion, he didn't really question slavery because it was so accepted. And because it was legal. And it was legal. Because it was legal. Because, you know, like in the Bible, it talks about to abide by the laws of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he didn't really think about the morality of, of being a slave trader. No, but and, but as he, he he was reading the Bible and studying more and more and more, and he yeah. would preach in church when he was home from his trips. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was so popular that sometimes, you know, there's one, one time that um, people were pushing his wife out of the way because they wanted to see him. And he's like, oh, oh, gentlemen, please, I beg of you. My, I'm taken away from my, my love far too often. Please, you know. Yeah. Bring her close to me. Bring her, bring her close to me. And yeah. that was unheard of to treat your wife like that in public. But, but he cherished her. But he really did. Yeah. Um. D- now, after his conversion, because his conversion was, we said 19, or 1748, right? Yeah, 1748. Um, he married his wife in ni- in 1750, but he, um, he actually still, he became first mate on the slave, the slave ship, the Brownlow, from 1748 to 1750. And then in 1750, he was captain for three different voyages on on slave ships. It was the Duke of Argyle in 1750 and the ship called the African um, from 1750 to 53, and then on another voyage from 53 to 54. But then in 1754, 
he ended up giving up the seas because um, he had a severe stroke. He he did. He didn't. He wasn't. The, and this was after. So this the, was after his conversion. This was after his conversion. But this was also after the very first trip he took that no one died. Really? I didn't know And that he part. was really esteemed. And this was as captain? Mm-hmm. Okay. As captain. And no one died on that trip. And they just, that was unheard Any of. Any slaves I, I don't know if I don't know if they would be counted. They, they don't always account. But losing a slave, sadly, was losing a prophet. Which is not I, I, the way that we think of it. Not at all. But it's the it, way that it was recorded in history. Yeah. And and um but so anyway, he has he's in these seizures. He's not wanting to go anyway, and he's having this seizure. And they were looking forward to him being the captain of the ship, but they're like, We cannot send a ship out with you like this. And he was thrilled because then he started to really go towards the ministry. But Later on, he, he became good friends with, um, oh, what was the guy's name? William, he was a, he was a poet because... Shakespeare. <laughs> no, Will, William Cowper became okay. a good friend and, and, and um, John Newton becomes a preacher and they write hymns for church services. Yes, well, I, I don't know if you were going to mention this as well, and I want to hear about the hymns, but... I don't know if you heard that it took him, uh, in 1957, he had applied to be ordained as a priest in the Church of England, but it took him seven years to be accepted. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that was, but it did take him that long. But, but he was already accepted as as like a preacher, as a, a gospel man before that. And when he finally got a church, it grew. People loved him. They, yeah. they came and they listened to him speak. Um, and... They were doing services, and they wrote hymns back then. And this was with—what's his name again? His, his name was William Cowper. Okay. He, William went with him everywhere. But William had—he was, was a really renowned poet, but he had a, a dark past. He had been exposed to suicide. Someone had committed oh, wow. suicide when he was younger, and he always had these dark times when he'd really be depressed. He had huge depression issues, but um, the, the Cowpers and the Newtons were good friends, and— they did a lot of things together, and they wrote hymns for the, the church services. Now, the hymns back then were not always assigned music. Yeah, Mo- they didn't. So it was, it was like poetry, and a lot of people would have different melodies for the same poem or the same hymn, and, and which it, I thought was very interesting. Well, and it was easier to, um, back then, it was easier to publish the hymns if you didn't have music to them because it was very laborious. And, and not economical to publish music, but you could more easily publish hymns. Mm-hmm. So the hymns would be published and whatever um, music was more common that would fit with with the, the hymns um, is what each different church would, would put to it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it went back then. So, so they wrote, it started out about grace, amazing grace. Yeah. That and saved then, a wretch. And when he says a wretch... He he couldn't stand. He was wretched. He he couldn't stand the thought of himself, of who he was. But one of the things he preached, and and we hear today, his big message was: people are are praying and they ask God for so much, but they lose the value of being thankful. And so much of God's gift is the comfort provided by being thankful. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of that. But also, I think it's important to know that the the 
tune that we know Amazing Grace by most commonly now was not added to Amazing Grace until 1835, um, a composer by the name of William Walker. And so this was uh, 28 years after he passed away? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll, and we'll talk about his, his abolitionist success before we wrap this up. And okay. I know we're going over on our normal hour, but it's such a great story. Um, the, the composer William Walker in 1835 put the words of Amazing Grace to the recognizable, t- more recognizable tune of New Britain. And that's the song we know now. But there's a verse, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah. But I have always loved the verse when we've been there 10,000 years. But that wasn't actually written by him, right? That was not written by him. Harriet Beecher Stowe, yes. when she did Uncle Tom's Cabin, added that verse. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it's amazing God's grace and God's beauty and what's happened with that song. And he he ended up it's amazing because during the civil rights, Amazing Grace is one of the songs when Martin Luther King, before he gave his I, I Have a Dream speech, right. Amazing Grace was played. The civil rights, Amazing Grace was played. And so this man who had been a slave trader he, and a slave even himself during one point. Yeah, and he was the slave of slaves, wrote the song. But the interesting part, how he became an abolitionist. Um, and, and Yeah, I'm very Maybe curious. slavery wouldn't have ended the way it did, you know, praise God, it would end somehow, no matter what. But he had a very dear friend, um, William Wilberforce, okay. who was an abolitionist and he was in parliament. And Wilberforce was talking about, because he had had a conversion, he loved God, he was talking about getting out of parliament. And John Newton said, like the story in Esther, maybe you're there for such a time as this. And it's to help end slavery. And so he really encouraged Wilbur Wilberforce to, to stay in parliament and, and fight for abolition. And so he really, so um, Newton finally realized that slavery was wrong because of Esther. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, well his friend Wilberforce said, you know, you're encouraging me to stay, but you've not taken a stand. And he started, he, he had a change of thoughts and he started taking a stand and he was in, even interviewed. And what year was that in? Do you know? I, I don't know the year, Okay, but he was even interviewed, you know, about the slave trade and the atrocities of slave trade and asked so many questions, you know, was there thought about families being pulled apart, children? And he's like, that wasn't even a consideration. It wasn't and, even a thought. And he wrote papers. You can find papers that were written by John Newton about he wrote initial papers and he thought he'd spare the public the gruesome details of the true slave trade and, and the atrocities that and happened. And the atrocities. And then he, people weren't listening to how bad it was. So then he ended up adding to his writings. And I have a question. Was this song then, it feels almost like the lyrics of Amazing Grace. Because if you don't know, you know, the lyrics to Amazing Grace, it says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I imagine it plays a part to that because he really wanted people to recognize what what God saved us from. Yeah. Well, and it's a crazing. It's a crazing? It's amazing? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I was going to say it's crazy yeah. and amazing. Um, just kind of like how, how you can see, just knowing the story kind of behind these lyrics. Because mm-hmm. think about it. Like he was so blind. Like even after being converted, or so he thought, um, 
the thought hadn't even crossed his mind about how wrong. And so how many things do we have that our eyes need to be opened? And we and, just think, oh, well, it's law, so it's fine. But but grace, mm-hmm. God's grace. And um, so he, he, he wrote, he wrote about his stuff. But because he wrote about it, it started to change people's hearts because his church, it's fun to be the popular preacher, but he was taking a big hit on his services. They weren't liking that he oh, his was- stand on slavery. Yeah, his stand on slavery because those church people had slaves. Yeah. Not all of them, but they did. But you know, he, um, he ends up dying in 1807, but nine months before he dies, um, parliament voted to abolish the slave trade in Britain. That's amazing. And so his life kind of opens up. He's seeing a pirate being being hung. And then he wraps up, you know, and at the very end of his life, he, he starts, his thoughts start to slip from him and he has this one memory. And you know what it is, Hannah. What did you remember what he says at the at no. the very last? He's got um What was it? I don't know. His <laughs> parishioners and his friends come to see him and he, he says, I can't remember much, but I can remember I I'm a great sinner. I can remember I am a great sinner. And he's like, and I remember I have a great savior. And so that do remember that. <laughs> so that's the story of the man who wrote Amazing Grace, the song that is sung at least 10 million times a year in the United States. And that's just in the United States. And, and it's sung around the world. It was sung during civil rights movements, um, when they brought down the wall after 9-11, when, when they did memorials around the world. At almost uh, every Nelson funeral. Nelson Mandela was released. Yeah. So anyway, I, it was it was a great, great thing to research. I really loved it. Um, the story of John Newton, and I um, hope you enjoyed it too. Um, so I think we'll wrap it up with that because yeah. we've went over, but <laughs> but we love y'all. We're going to pray for you, and um, we hope you have a fantastic week, and we look forward to talking to you again and take care of each other. Yes, absolutely. Okay. God bless you. We love you guys. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.